Welcome to Building Boston and Beyond, an informational podcast providing residents updates on the growth of their community and available resources to improve their quality of life. From discussions with public officials, businesses, organizations, and change makers, Building Boston and Beyond aims to inform and empower residents to have a voice, access resources, and connect with their community. It is the second largest city in New England with the largest chamber of commerce, Worcester, Massachusetts, where economic growth knows no bounds. Worcester is experiencing a renaissance and joining Building Boston and Beyond today to talk about this rebirth is Worcester Chamber of Commerce President and CEO, Tim Murray. Born and raised in Worcester, Tim served as the city's mayor prior to being elected Lieutenant Governor of Massachusetts in 2007 where he worked to stimulate economic development, transportation expansion, housing reform, and the importance of STEM education. Today, as Chamber President, Tim remains steadfast, driving the Chamber's mission of recruit, retain, and incubate, contributing to Worcester's economic success. Let's hear more about the Chamber's mission, the many networking opportunities the Chamber offers, and of course, Polar Park and the Woosocks. Hey, thank you so much, Tim, for joining Building Boston and Beyond. It's a real pleasure to have you on the show today. You're a native of Worcester, spent a career in public service. Let's share with our listeners uh, your life's path, your various positions, arriving to president and CEO of Worcester Chamber of Commerce. Well, it's, it's good to be here and been eight and a half years and been able to continue and build on some of the work that I was involved with during my tenure as mayor of Worcester and then as lieutenant governor, where obviously a focus is the entire state, but obviously your home and region and city has a special place in your heart. So we gave some special love during my time as lieutenant governor of Central Mass. Excellent. I mean, I remember that obviously from working at the (laughs) team, working closely with the administration. Worcester's dubbed New England's fastest growing city. Uh, What factors do you attribute to that? Well, you know, I think there's a, a myriad of, of factors. A big piece of it has been kind of the team approach that's been taking between the different levels of government, private mm-hmm. sector, and institutional leaders who over the last 20 years have worked together on a variety of projects and initiatives mm-hmm. that have positioned the city well. You know, transportation has been a big focus in that regard, expanding commuter rail, Massport taking over Worcester Regional Airport, leveraging our freight rail assets as well, mm-hmm. and improving our road network. So, so transportation has been a big piece of that, given Worcester's central location for not just Massachusetts, but all of New England. Absolutely. Absolutely. And the Chamber's mission, I was reading, recruit, retain, and incubate yeah. has contributed to Worcester's success. And, and I think that's really smart. You know, the teamwork approach is kind of the fundamental building block, but then it's recruiting companies that are growing and expanding and letting them know that, you know, Worcester and Central Mass is a region that they should be looking at. So that's kind of the recruitment piece. Mm-hmm. How do we retain jobs and grow sectors that are here currently? Mm-hmm. And that's public policy, uh, that's workforce development, that is transportation in terms of expanding access and, and the movement of people and goods, and then incubate. How do we build again on something that is a fundamental asset for Worcester in the region? We have 36,000 college students and a dozen colleges wow. and universities in the city and in close proximity. And then, you know, as a gateway city, 
We are constantly a city that people, immigrants, new Americans are coming to from across mm -hmm. the globe. And we're seeing that most recently with Afghan refugees, uh, evacuees who are coming to Worcester. You know, they add vibrancy. These are people who are willing and have tremendous courage in making the, the trip and journey to come here and establishing a business, a small business, you know, in, in neighborhoods. And so, you know, those incubate small businesses, both building on our colleges and universities and the research and development and students that are there, but also in the generation of ideas that take place on our campus, but also with our immigrant community as well, incubating new businesses all right. uh, in all parts of the city. Absolutely. And it adds to the culture. Yeah. And the food and the language. Totally. And just the overall mix, right? Yeah. And that's that, and increasingly that's what I think attracts people to city and regions is that diversity of, of food and experiences, cultures. You know, when you talk to employers and surveys that are taken about young people who where, where they want to work and the cultures they want to be a part of, diversity in, in every sense of the word is a part of that. They don't want to work with people that just look like with them. True. They want to be able to go and experience different arts and, and theater and food and and so that's one strength, again, that Worcester has had from its inception, uh, being a place where immigrants come and a diverse set of experiences. And that's one of the cool things, I think, in cities and, and Worcester is no different that, you know, things can take place around the globe and really within weeks or months is a reverberation in, in, in the city. And usually it's a positive one. Exactly. And Worcester's like the second largest. Uh... Yeah, second largest city in New England, second second largest city in New England. And, and that has been reinforced. Uh, we had 14 percent population growth from 2010 to, to 2020. I think the statewide average in Massachusetts was 7.4 percent. So, so we're growing and that is opportunities. But there's also challenges. I mean, one of the lessons that we are trying to learn from Boston is as we grow, how are we building not just market rate housing and upscale housing. housing, but how are we building affordable and workforce housing? Right. And in that regard, our chamber in 2019 did a very in-depth study of the few projected trends and the type mm -hmm. of housing we're going to need so that people who live here and grew up here can afford it. New Americans who come here looking for opportunity can afford it, mm -hmm. but also providing some of those other housing options that create mixed-use neighborhoods that are proven to be successful. So we are recruiting in that recruitment piece developers of all different types right. housing, affordable housing, uh, workforce housing, and, and high-end housing at the chamber because we think it's really important to keep that balance. And we're going to try to do that, but given Worcester being hot, there are some challenges in the housing market. Right. I was um, happy to read about the um, Kelly redesign because I know that was a huge issue. And from the comments I was reading, people were so happy and it was obviously a safe issue. Yeah. That was a great job. You must be really proud. Yeah. Kelly Square was kind of a unique driving experience mm -hmm. for anybody who's <laughs> from Central Mass or come through you know, to Worcester through, through Kelly Square. You know, I think there were nine or nine different entrances into this kind of, to describe it as a rotary, rotary as a traditional rotary is an understatement, but <laughs> it's been re-engineered to what they call a traffic peanut. It still, still has some of its unique experience, but much safer and more user-friendly for pedestrian access. And that's important because the canal district and the Green Island neighborhoods are growing mm -hmm. and see, experiencing a lot of growth and reinvestment right now. And Polar Park is a piece of that growth and expansion. So the city, the input from the public was really important. Right. And the Mass Department of Transportation, who was involved 
And we had a number of chamber member companies that were contracted to perform in the work, whether it be design work or mm -hmm. some of the construction. So that was a good thing to see our members going to work on that project as well. Absolutely. I want to bring up your passion and investment in the um, networking events that you hold. Like I was proud to read the women's conference that you just had a few months yeah. back and just the number of initiatives that you have to connect people. Yeah, well, you know, our chamber, I, I think we're the largest chamber in New England in terms of, of membership, but we have close to 2,000 members. And I would, you know, say that probably 80, 90% of them are small businesses. In the traditional sense, the common sense approach, I think that most people would think of probably 10 or 15 employers or less. You know, the federal government has a, a definition of small businesses, mm -hmm. of a small business, which I don't think is particularly accurate of 99 employees or less. And candidly, you know, your employer in, in Central Mass of 99 employees or 50 employees, right. you're a good size employee. Mm -hmm. So most of our businesses are traditional small businesses. So we do a lot of events, programs and events. And we, like a lot of people, had to transition to using Zoom and social media. Yeah, yeah social media present a lot of those programs. But it's about advocating for our members, you know, writ large for the business community, but individually or sector-wise. But it's also doing a lot of professional development, letting them know about changes in state or federal laws that impact their business, right. you know, letting them know about how other chamber member businesses can help them grow or expand. You know, a, a business owner spends a lot of time focused on delivering the good or the service, and they may not have the capacity to spend on HR. There are companies, chamber member companies that can do that for them. So there's resources. Yes. And, and, and letting them know best practices, changes. So we do about 200 events in a year, uh, whether it be in person. And the Worcester Women's Leadership Conference is one of our biggest, Yes, probably close to 800 women for the day at the DCU Center, gathering to talk about you know, how to support each other in the workplace, personally and professionally, the work-life balance, and examples and stories about how women have broken the glass ceiling in a variety of different ways and sectors and in non-traditional you know, paths, which is important. It's exciting, yeah. Yeah, so it's it's been a very, you know, our second, you know, one of our two biggest events of the year, along with our annual meeting. Yeah, you do a lot. Um, I do want to talk about Woosock's first season. Yeah. I know you're really excited about that. And the first season started a little delayed, but it worked out. And to my knowledge, I'm not too familiar. Is it 2,500 people, but it's going growing to 10,000 capacity? For the first part of the year, and you're right, Major League Baseball delayed the AAA start and pushed that back several weeks. Mm -hmm. And then when the season started in Massachusetts, there were still limits to outdoor events in terms of their capacity. So when the ballpark and the season opened for the first month, month and a half, it was limited to 2,500 people. I believe the governor lifted that in mid-June. Oh, okay. And there were lots of sellouts, you know, even with the cap and then with the cap being lifted. Nine, ten thousand 10,000 people at the park. And in fact, when the season ended in all of minor league baseball, the Worcester Red Sox led, and that's 100 plus teams in all of minor league baseball. It was sixth highest in attendance. And I think many of us believe we would have been number one in attendance if the season had started when it was initially projected and we didn't have that cap. Cap, yep. And the chamber, you know, we worked closely from day one in bringing the Red Sox AAA team to Worcester, working closely with the city administration, council, and our business community really stepped up and it's become a point of pride. Yes. It has really also been 
a facilitator of a whole new level of investment in the city and in the area of the Green Island neighborhood, the Canal District, and all of which abuts our downtown is, and which is next to Worcester's Union Station, the commuter rail, our WRTA right. and private bus hub. So it makes sense from a transit-oriented development. People can walk. They don't have to rely on cars. So we're excited about it. And it's, it's become a gathering place for people, not just from Central Mass, but what was also really impressive, Lydia, people from across New England yeah. coming and seeing great baseball, but also in a very family-friendly environment. Well, that's what I thought of. It's like quality of life improvements, unity, just getting together, just having a good time at a baseball game. Yeah. And, you know, there's, there's a lot of real tangible brick and mortar development that's happened. It's happened and is continuing to happen in and around the ballpark. All said and done, maybe 1,500, 2,000 new units of housing, which is a mix of affordable and workforce and upscale housing. Mm-hmm. Uh, a number of new businesses, a hotel, potentially some lab space and office space all happening as we speak and providing a density that supports the businesses around there 18 hours a day, you know, seven days a week. But the other thing that it's done is, you know, people may not have been to Worcester in a long time or sometimes the, you know, the elements of the establishment media only come out when there's something negative that happens. But when people come out and haven't been here, period, or haven't been here in a long time, they comment on what a different city it is and maybe what they perceive or experience years ago. And the good news is that makes them more likely to come back, come to Shrewsbury Street or Highland Street, where we've got some great restaurants and uh, Shrewsbury Street is known as our restaurant row. Mm-hmm. Uh, go to some of our arts and cultural venues, which we've got a really, as we talked about earlier, diverse and unique set of offerings. And it also expands people where they could maybe work and live. And thrive. Uh, because yes. we know, you know, there are challenges and affordability issues that Greater Boston is struggling with. And if Worcester and Central Mass can be, you know, an affordable option, you know, the regions are increasingly becoming tied together because of transportation. Mm-hmm. Things like commuter rail and things that the sense of time and distance isn't as great as maybe it was once perceived. Right, right. So as we move into 2022, what are you uh, looking forward to? And what's your vision for 2022 in Worcester? You've done so much. Yeah, well, I think like everybody, you know, regardless whether we're in Worcester and Boston or any other points in between and around the Commonwealth, it's, you know, whatever we can do as much as possible to get COVID-19 and and the variants behind us. And, you know, we're going to have to work through the next few months as we we get forced indoors to kind of manage that. My hope is that we can continue the momentum and build on opportunities and create, you know, a city and a region that for people who've lived and grown up in Central Mass, it can continue to be a place where they can raise their family and and live affordably, Mm -hmm. but also address those areas that absolutely need reinvestment. We have an older housing stock in many parts of our city. You know, we have legacies in, in the region of brownfield sites and older contaminated sites that beg to be reutilized and redeveloped. Right, right. So how do we address that? And how do we do it through both an environmental and equity lens so that all people are, are benefiting you know, from this investment and rebirth? And that is, is something you know, collectively, government, right. the, the private sector, nonprofit, mm-hmm. you know, we all need to kind of focus on and, and keep front of mind as we make decisions on how we grow and invest and, and who participates in that process. Well, thank you so much for, for joining Building Boston and Beyond. Yeah, no, and, um, great to be be with you, Lydia. It's been a little while, but I'm glad. Yes. We're here. And Tim, I look forward to coming out there to visit you and spend a day in Worcester and uh, definitely hit Restaurant Row and uh, yeah. 
check it all out because it's been a long time and I, I have been in Worcester in the past and I always feel a connection. Dorchester, Worcester, I always feel it's like somewhat similar. You have some great yeah, nightlife yeah, I, and it's diverse. You know, I, I say to um, you know some of our, our friends in Boston, you know, Worcester reminds me of parts of Dorchester yeah. very much very much so and elements of West Roxbury in terms of the, the housing stock in the neighborhood. Agreed. Well, thank you so much and we'll talk no, soon. Thank you. All right. Bye-bye. All right. Bye-bye, Tim. Visit buildingbostonandbeyond.com to get a glimpse of our future guests and the many ways you can follow us on social media. Join us next time to hear the latest topics of discussion in Boston and beyond.